the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we are covering Tales from the Crypt, the comic book from 1950, issues 23, 24, and 25. Dean, welcome. Did I get that right? Because last time I screwed it up. Yeah, I think you got it right this time. I think at 23, 24, 25, I think is correct. Good. I did yeah, it. Yeah, you got it. I you did. got it. Well done. Uh, well done. Well done. Well done to me. Pat on the back. Yeah. Hey, um, I have a question for you. How is it the yeah. second week of October already? What did I miss? I don't know, man. What What happened during September? I don't know, man. It uh, It flew by. It... October always seems to sneak up on me, but then all of a sudden it's just we're we're in spooky season. You know, it's it's weird. The transition, I think it's that transition from summer to then like spooky season. It's weird. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. It like jumps out of the closet at you. It's like, ha ah, yeah, it's the second week of October already. Huh, ah, here I am. Aren't you afraid? I am afraid. Yes, October, we are afraid. Good job. Well, last October, we had so much fun with Tales from the Crypt covering the comic. We covered the previous three issues, I believe, of that run. That's correct. So we're back here to do it all again. And if you're not familiar with the Tales from the Crypt comic book, each issue is a collection of four short stories filled with horror, terror, murder, Death, digging graves, lust, deceit, flesh eating, and overall chaos. What else is there? What el- exactly? What else is there left, especially in October? That covers everything, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something that uh, that I noticed reading these these three. Um, remembering back to last year's three, uh, there's a common theme. And that is uh, the the answer to all of life's problems is to murder someone. That is correct. Murder is yeah. is a great problem solver in the Tales from the Crypt world, and it doesn't take a lot of like thinking about it. No, it, it ha- it's idea it just, number one. It comes up pretty quick, and people yeah. are pretty convinced to just do it, and then they all yeah. they all know how to do it. That's, Nobody that's the other thing, questions, Tim. how should I murder this person? They're just like, no. should I? Yes. Done. Yeah, that's, that is the thing about it. It's not just one person who just jumps to murder right away. I think if you had that in a story, okay, yeah, it's just the one person that jumps to murder. It is so easy to convince anyone else to get them on your side that murder was the, is the right thing to do. You just have to say... If we murder this person, you know, our problems will be solved. And that person, that other person's right on board. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Well, true. But in some of them, they did do a good job of actually, you know, passing the time of trying to convince the other that murder is a good <laughs> thing. I, 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 right. one, one story sticks out for sure about that, where time okay. did pass. 
years maybe past of manipulation right, true, yeah. into murder before that's true the other agreed but ultimately they always right. agree it's it's the right thing to do always and you know what that wasn't that just the 50s hey that was just the 50s <laughs> yeah, hey. That's not the only thing we can say. It wasn't that just the 50s about these stories. There's there's quite a few things that come up and I'm like, okay, yep, the 50s. Yeah. Well, Dean, we have a lot to cover. So I think yeah, we should just get to jump it. right into it. I did want to yeah. start with a quick recap from our first Tales from the Crypt episode with some background. And the comics were published by EC Comics, whose name stands for Educational Comics. So calling it EC Comics is actually like calling it Educational Comics Comics, but that's right, fine. Yeah. EC was founded by Maxwell Gaines in 1933, and they specialized in child-focused stories. After Maxwell passed away, his son William took over and changed the name to Entertaining Comics. That's convenient. Yeah. And he started publishing stories about horror, war, fantasy, and science fiction. Now, Tales from the Crypt would run from 1950 to 1955 and ultimately be shut down by a hearing at the U.S. Senate because the material was viewed as dangerous to the well-being of children and a significant contributor to the juvenile delinquency crisis in America. Whoa, settle down. Settle down. Settle down, U.S. Senate. <laughs> to avoid censorship from the government, Dean, the comic book industry created a self-regulatory body called, and I hate to even say it, you know, these words know. burn coming out of my mouth, but the body, the governing body is called the Comics Code Authority, and they placed severe restrictions on violent comic book genres and publishers were forbidden from using terrible words like horror and terror and other words that were polluting the minds of children yeah i now while you were while you were uh, delivering that i know you said my name in there and that's because you noticed i wasn't paying attention and that's because i've heard this all before tim and i don't i don't like it i, know. I don't like the story of the comics code of america so i i'm checking i checked out for this part that's okay i don't blame you dean uh i yeah. just wanted to you know catch up any new listeners who <laughs> didn't catch that oh. last episode uh, for sure for sure because you'll hear me talk about the comic code of authority from time to time with spite hatred oh yeah hatred hatred for murderous sure. yeah. thoughts chaotic thoughts definitely i feel like digging them a grave and burying them in it but i don't need to because they don't exist anymore dean it took all the way till 2011 before the comics code authority would be destroyed and humans everywhere were once again able to freely enjoy a world without them hell yeah <laughs> yeah hell yeah hell yeah now to further my comments on that and what the Senate did to shut these comics down. Dean, I was reading the letters section in one of the cool. issues we covered. And it turns out it was mostly kids reading and sending in letters. So I wanted to share some of their comments. <laughs> Excellent. Sherry said, I am nine years old. Sometimes I feel sad. I pull out some tales from the crypt 
I read stories and I feel great. What? Come on. Okay, great. These comics Glowing. make Sherry feel good. No, they make her feel great. That's the best review that anyone could ever have written. Uh, oh, just wait, Dean. Jacob says, oh. I am a big fan and a very old fan of you. I started getting interested in you when I was three. Now I am nine, what? almost ten. Wow. Okay, great. Thank you, Jacob. Amazing. Josh Amazing. says, I'm 11 years old. Both me and my 13-year-old brother like your comics. I was wondering how to get Tales from the Crypt trading cards. Well, that's just a great cool. question. Yep. Jonathan, 11 years old. I love your comic books on Tales from the Crypt. When I grow up, I want to become a doctor. I also want to become a comic book collector. Look, Tales from the Crypt is causing Jonathan to want to be a doctor. Does that, that sound like amazing. juvenile delinquency to you? No. No, it doesn't it sound doesn't. like it to me either. Okay. That's, Tim, that's many, many years of dedication and then many, many years of service to the people. Yeah. And he reads Tale from, Tales from the Crypt comics. Yeah. And they made him want to be a doctor because there are so many doctors in these stars. And he wants to collect comic books. That's I mean, also amazing. Great. A wonderful yeah. thing to pursue. Oh, wonderful. We should we should follow up with where, where Josh is at these days. Oh, uh, that was Jonathan. Shout out to all these oh, people, sorry. <laughs> Jonathan. Paul, age 11. I collect your comics, but unfortunately, I can't find them right now. Sometimes you can't that's find sad. your favorite comic book, right? Yeah, it's just, that's really it's sad. It's just not there. So I'm sorry, uh, Paul, that you can't find it. Yeah, Julio for sure. says, my name is Julio, and I am 15 years old. I am your biggest fan and also your friend. Could I be in your comic books? <laughs> yes. Look at yes. his his best friend is Tales from the Crypt. He's offering possibly <laughs> the greatest gift ever, the gift of friendship. That gift doesn't sound like friendship. A, a terrible child. Wait, what is the US no. Senate talking about? I actually don't even understand. Okay? I'm not done yet. Sean, you're the most stupid storyteller I ever heard of. Your stories <laughs> don't even scare my five year old sister Becky. She told me it was a very boring bedtime story and left. Well, sorry, Sean. I guess you can't win them all. Um, yeah. I don't know. This Becky sounds like she has a very high threshold for terror and fear because these are scary <laughs> stories. I'm a grown man. Terrifying these stories. are terrifying. So I don't. Yeah. I think Becky was lying. I think Becky probably ran away and started crying after yeah. getting read one of these. Becky might not have understood what exactly the terror that was going on because th these are pretty terrifying stories yeah can't i guess you can't win them all i guess yeah that uh what's this kid's name this is sean shout out to sean sean yeah sean not uh hopefully sean's listening to this podcast but Probably. sean was not a fan not a fan of these yeah companies. sean buddy it wasn't your fault there's something wrong with becky yeah it was, it was becky yeah and finally mike age 15 nothing grosses me out like crypt it has the best storyline and art. I've been wondering if you had any tips on how to draw corpses and other gruesome pictures. I've tried, but they all look too, well, alive. Now, Dean. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> did these kids grow up to be serial killers? Maybe. The last one. Yeah, Mike probably did. <laughs> Mike did. But yeah. maybe the rest of them just grew up to be normal. 
Maybe yeah. comic books didn't prompt people to do terrible things like the U.S. Senate thought. Maybe it's just a healthy way to explore being scared and working out your imagination. For sure, man. I, I'm so glad you brought all those, Tim. I loved every single one of them. I love the one right at the beginning where the girl is sad and she reads the comics and then she feels great. That's what it's about. That's Sherry. Uh, she's nine years old. Sherry, she's nine years old. That's about that's that's what these comics can bring. That's what kind of scary stories can bring. They let you just like get into something else, get so so uh, drawn in by a story, and that you just forget about everything else, and you just feel good. You just enjoy that story. Great, I love it. I don't want to tell Sherry she has to feel sad all the time because her favorite comic book has been banned. Exactly, that's a terrible thing to tell a nine year old. Terrible. Exactly. Exactly. Tim. Comics helped me. Horror comics helped me come around and not be sad. But I was 30 years old. I don't think age matters, Dean. Clearly, from yeah. what I just read, Thanks. age doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You can cool. find that at any, any point in your life, as long as it's allowed by the U.S. Senate. That, yeah, that exactly. <laughs> so that should always be allowed. Yeah. From now on, yeah. I think it will always now, be yeah. allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Let's get into the stories here. Issue 23. Now, remember, there are four short stories per issue. We are going to go through all of them. And I'm going to read a synopsis of each story. And then, Dean, we can just say, you know, what we liked about the story or what we didn't like about the story. Cool. Our first story is called Reflection of Death. You and Carl are driving down the highway at night. You get tired. Carl takes over when headlights start coming right at you, and you have a head-on collision with another car. I'll just point out great narration through this entire story uh, yeah. with stuff like, the blackness is empty, eternal. You float in it, turning, twisting, falling, then rising again. The pain is gone. Everything is gone. Only the darkness. On. On. Dark. Black. Empty. You wake on the side of the road, but see no wreckage. A car approaches and you flag it down. You walk over and the man is terrified of you. He screams and peels away. You head towards town. On the way you find a hobo. He shrieks and runs away. You stop a woman in a car. She faints. You get to town. Your house is boarded up and now belongs to the bank. You terrify another man on the street before going to Carl's house. Carl isn't scared. He says you were killed two months ago in a car wreck and that he's now blind from it. You look in the mirror and holy shit, what a terrifying sight. Your face is decayed flesh and bone. All of a sudden, you wake up in the car. It was just a dream. Then you see headlights coming right at you. And you have a head-on collision with another car. You wake up again on the ground. Stop a car. Terrify a man. But you realize this time it's not a dream. This time you really are dead. What are your thoughts? Hell yeah. This is a great way to start the book. I love this. I love 
the premonition idea that he like had a dream about his death and then it happened exactly in that way. Or if you want that, this is just a loop that he's stuck in. That'll never end. I like that idea too. I don't think that's really what the story's saying, but I like that idea too, that he's like t- stuck in some sort of time loop where he's just going to keep dying and waking up and dying and waking up and dying, and waking up. Um, love it. I loved this story. It was like one of my favorites out of all of the stories. So just to kick it off with this one, oh man, got me right in, got me right into it. Great way to kick it off. I agree. Yeah. I'm with you. I wanted it to be a continuous loop, but for some reason they do put finality to it right, right at the end. They do. They say that you are dead. Um, that, that was kind of a bit of a downer because I thought that would be such a cool story if this guy just continues to live that. Just kept going. Yeah. But I really like that they don't give you the guy's name, which is very strange because in all the other stories, they give you like basically everybody's name who's involved. They give you. But this one, it's Carl and you. And cool. that just makes me feel like it's me, like I'm the one in the story. It allows me to um, associate with that character even more. So I, I really liked it for that reason. Uh, this story legitimately would have given me nightmares as a kid. When he looks in the mirror, he's drawn so terrifyingly that I literally would have had to close the book and I would have had nightmares. Just the two months of dead, rotting flesh face looked amazing. Yeah, it's a good drawing. Um, Like the skull, being able to like see a skull behind rotting flesh is really scary so like having the hole in the nose like your nose being like completely gone and just having like the hole the big hole there and then like the exposed teeth like that kind of combo always sort of scares me yeah um just having that flesh rotted off and seeing that skull so yeah totally this is terrifying that's exactly the type of stuff that like you'd imagine in your head as a kid or have a nightmare about like if yeah. you were going to see a zombie or something like that, when you don't really know what For to sure. picture, your mind just kind of like creates something. It would have been something that like like that. That's so bloody terrifying. It's so good. All right. Next up, Last Respects. Anthony Colton walks into a cemetery. He says, I'm coming, Anna. I'm coming. Where are you, Anna? Which way? He finds a mausoleum with her name on it. He goes in and throws himself over her casket. We flash back and learn Anthony is secretly married to Anna. She's underage, and her uncle won't approve. But the uncle finds out and says he'll have the marriage annulled. Anna falls ill, and the doctor says it appears she lost the will to live. So Anthony kills the uncle. Now back at Anna's casket, he says his last goodbye. He wants to leave the mausoleum, but the door has locked behind him and he's stuck inside. He bangs on the door for hours, which turn into days, which turn into weeks, but no one can hear. After a month, Anthony dies. An engraver comes to deliver Anna's coffin plaque and they find Anthony, who survived the month by catching rainwater in an urn and eating his dear Anna. It's the... <laughs> that's not funny, Dean. It's the formaldehyde. He ate her. It's very funny. There's nothing funny. funny about that. It's tragic. It's the formaldehyde from the embalming fluid that poisoned and killed him. 
He ate her, Tim. He ate her. He ate his love. He needed to stay alive. No, he didn't. He didn't need to stay alive. <laughs> what do you mean? He also died still. <laughs> what do you mean he didn't need so, to stay alive? So, okay, because his, his love is dead. You're not going to eat, eat Laura in that situation? You're not going to eat Laura? I'm not eating Laura if I'm trapped in a, in a mausoleum with her body. I'm not eating her. We'll see what you say at week two. We'll see, yeah, we'll right, see at right. week two, Dean. <laughs> I like some of the ideas in this one a lot. I like the idea that he gets trapped in a mausoleum, eats a corpse, and then dies because of it, because of, like, the embalming fluid. I love that idea. It cannot be the person he's in love with. I just thought that this was ridiculous. It was not my favorite. Um, but that idea, I, I, I did like. I did like the idea. But no thank you on, on... He even killed the uncle after she was dead. He killed the uncle, and still he gets locked in a room with her body and eats it. Come on. I liked it. They were really going for it. <laughs> I liked they it because were really going for it. It's, I was definitely not expecting that. That's yeah. why I liked it. Yeah. It was such a shocker because, of course, he's not supposed to eat his love. That's what yeah. makes it so great that he had to eat her. Yeah, that, that's true. It was a shocker. I was definitely not expecting that at all. It hit me by so, and I was reading it and I was like, how is he still alive in there after a month? Yeah. Like I had that thought. So it worked on me. It definitely worked. Um, <laughs> fuck, man. I was like, oh, geez. I really loved the period art in this one. Um, you know, a lot of yeah. it takes place in this really old cemetery. The way they drew the tombstones just looked amazing. Really great colors, too, because the mausoleum is all green. Like, the building is green. Then the tombstones and the caskets are purple. Mm, totally yeah. weird colors to use, but it worked. Yeah, And it both, like, at the same time felt strange like it shouldn't be there but also it fit in like it it, it didn't bother me it wasn't it didn't stand yeah. out as, as a problem so i just thought that was really really neat how they pulled that off yeah cool uh i love the part where anna dies and the doctor just says she lost the will to live uh heavy padme revenge of the sith vibes from that for sure yeah maybe george lucas read this Maybe he had some influence. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did. <laughs> so I like that. And then he was like, and then where do we write in yeah. that Anakin? Where does Anakin eat Padme? Padme? Yeah. <laughs> when do, when can Anakin eat Padme? <laughs> there's lots, lots of time to fill in. So there's lots of additional content <laughs> that we could get uh, <laughs> about about that. There's, I don't want that. There's definitely going to be. Yeah, I, I, I want it. You do. <laughs> I want Vader getting Vader getting trapped somewhere <laughs> eating Padme. <laughs> That would so really bad. bring that would really bring Darth Vader down in my books if that happened. Yeah. You thought you thought people you thought people didn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ooh, just wait until Anakin oh, eats yeah. Padme. Just wait till that. The Darth Vader story. <laughs> Yikes. Up next, Seance. We're at the home of Walton Farnham. That's that's a great name. That's I yeah. mean you got to name one of your kids Walt, Walton Farnham. Yeah, definitely. Walton Walton's good because it's like it's like Walter is like, you know, well, that's a name. You know, everyone knows that name. Walton. Yeah, Walton Farnham. I don't hear that Farnham. Farnham. Well, he has his boss over. Walter's wife comes in late. She was at a seance where she contacted her dead brother. Also at the seance, a mother was visited by her son who died in the war. Back at Walton's house, his boss thinks all that stuff is fake 
and he won't give Walton the raise he asked for if his wife is just going to blow money on seances. The boss says he'll prove that it's all fake. He'll go for a seance with Walton and Walton's wife, where he'll ask to talk to his dead wife. But she'll be safe back at the Walton's house. She's not dead. But when they hear her voice, they'll know the medium is a fake. At the seance, the medium struggles to contact the wife, but eventually does. The boss screams out, he's a fake, and storms out. They go back to Walton's house to find the wife lying dead on the floor. Tim, this, I love this. I used to watch like a show when I was a kid. It was called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. And they would run through like five, four or five stories in the episode. They would all be like these eerie things that are like, what a coincidence that this happened. And you'd have to try to guess throughout the episode if it was fact or if they made it up. And, you know, you'd always be surprised at the end about the ones that were fact and the ones that were fiction. This felt like that. It felt like that type of episode where someone doesn't believe the someone doesn't believe the medium. They go to see them. Gonna set, I'm going to set up the medium. I'm going to trick the medium because my wife's not dead. So I'm going to make him, you know, show me my wife and then it'll be perfect. I'll be able to say that he's a fraud. And then you... It happens, you see your wife, you get home, she's dead. Like, it's just one of those coincidence type things that's like so eerie. It's just is perfect for me. This might have been my favorite one. I think this is my favorite story because of that. The eerie feeling it got me, like my skin crawled. I got like the, the my, my hair was raising. It was like, this is the eerie stuff I like. I like this. Like, did they make it happen? Is it just bad timing? What? It, I don't know what it was, but I loved it. I love the story. Cool. Yeah. I think... I wonder, that's a great question. Like, did the medium kill her? Because they make a point in the comic of when he's trying to contact her, he's really struggling. Like he's, you can tell he's really trying to reach out. And I wonder if he killed her in the process and then was able to reach out to her. I think that's what happened. I think so. It's it's almost like he's trying to like pull the soul towards yeah. like them and pull the soul into like ex- existence in their room. And maybe he pulled it all the way out of her. You know, maybe he pulled the soul all the way out of her to kill her. I, I, yeah, I love it. I, I love this type of uh, this type of story. So good. Cool. This wasn't one of my favorites, but I, under, I understand like, you know, why you like it. I, I really loved the, this lady who saw her dead son from the war because before he showed himself he kept saying, like, no, please don't summon me. I, d- I don't want you to see me because he was shot in the face in the war and his eyeball yeah. was hanging out. And that's how he existed. So when they called him up, she ended up seeing him in that state and just freaked out. I thought that was a really, really cool idea. Like, just you're getting yourself into trouble if you want to call and see your dead son because you might just have to see him the way he looked when he died. It's a very cool idea. I love it in uh, ghost movies, ghost shows where the ghost actually looks like they did when they die. They have the wounds they had when they died. I love that. It just adds that extra like horror element to it, that extra sort of creepy thing that they're they're You know, they might not even be scary, but they're going to look scary because of the way, you know, their face is hanging off or whatever it is. So I, I love that inclusion in this story that uh, 
the son didn't want her to see him because he knew that he was going to look like that. So he's like, no, no, don't look, don't look at me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, something that would definitely creep me out, you know, to this, this part of the story was, uh, if I was a kid, this type of thing would have really given me, given me nightmares. Cause now I would have been like, oh, ghosts can like look really scary too. Not only are they ghosts, but they could like look like they're mangled. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I like that she was being selfish. She was putting herself before her son, even though her son, her dead son was telling her, don't look upon me. She was being selfish. For sure. Needed to fulfill her own needs. And then, you know, got what she deserved in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, voodoo death. Bill and Jay are on vacation in Haiti when they come across a group of locals performing a ritual where they raise a man from the dead. The locals see them, though, and they grab Jay. But Bill gets away. Later at the hotel... Jay shows up again, feeling confused but alive. On the ship home to New York, Bill finds a voodoo doll on Jay's bunk. He quickly throws it in the water. Back home, Bill finds a package on his doorstep. He opens it to find the voodoo doll. He quickly throws it in the fire. Jay is now at the door. He says Bill witnessed a voodoo ritual and now must die. And he's not worried because he's already dead. He gave life to the doll and is now a zombie. The voodoo doll falls from the ceiling onto Bill's shoulder and stabs him in the neck with a needle, then goes limp. The needle was poisoned and Bill is dying. In anger, he frantically starts ripping apart the voodoo doll. Inside the doll, he finds a human heart. Jay's human heart. Uh, not one of my favorites. Neither. Uh, did not love this one. <laughs> Neither. Did not love this at all. Um, there are two things I liked about it. Uh, and one of them is the little voodoo doll jumping at Bill with the little needle in the air, <laughs> like he's gonna stab him. I yep. thought that was really cool. I thought the the uh, art was really good. Like I, I just thought I like that image of this little doll jumping at you with the needle. Thought it was good. And then I did like the heart, finding the heart inside of the doll, that they took the heart out of um, a a man and put it in the doll to give that doll some life. I thought that was a pretty neat idea, a pretty cool idea, especially for like 50s um, to bring that doll to life, give him like an organ. Uh, So I thought that was pretty cool. Those two things. But other than that, I didn't I wasn't really digging the rest of it. Yeah, I'm with you on those two points. Like the the whole heart thing was cool because Jay was there, like explaining what's happening and he opens his shirt up and he's got like a huge scar in his chest showing you that they took his heart out and put it into yeah. the voodoo doll. And then the voodoo doll was the best part. It reminded me of the hand from the Evil Dead 2. It just keeps showing up. You know, like you think yeah. you get rid of it and it shows up again and it's attacking you. I loved that vibe of it. But yeah, yeah. not one of my favorites. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, issue 24. The first story, Bats in My Belfry. Harry, an actor, goes deaf. After a while, his money runs out. He goes to talk to his old friend John, who had gone blind. John tells Harry of a man who helped him get his sight back by giving him cat eyes. 
Harry goes to see the man, who transfers the auditory system of a bat into him. After the operation, Harry has tremendous hearing. But that night, he sleeps hanging upside down in his closet. He also starts to grow hair on his face and a membrane across his armpit. Harry races back to see John, who's now turned completely into a panther. Harry learns his wife's new man wants to kill Harry for an insurance payout, but Harry kills him first by drinking his blood. You see, he's become a vampire bat. Harry goes home, kills his wife, then finds a quiet place to hide in a coffin. This is, uh, this is my type of story. This is my type of like, uh, if you just give me the synopsis to some movie and it's like uh, a person gets in an accident and needs to have, uh, you know, a cat eyes put in and then becomes a cat, like has, has starts acting like a cat. I'm in. Or like guy gets his arm chopped off and they replace it with a murderer's arm. And now he that arm wants to murder. I love that. I love that shit. Uh, if I read that, I want to watch that movie. Um so this is I, I loved it. I, I loved like I loved the the bat the the bat sonar ear type thing that he was like hearing so, and it, he he was hearing so uh you know so well that it was like gonna be a problem and I thought that's where the story was gonna go. I thought it was gonna go Same. to just like that yeah that the hearing was gonna be the problem and he's gonna hear things he shouldn't or that was gonna like ruin wreck his life whatever. But to then take the twist that he starts acting like a bat oh man i loved it like another one of my favorites i was right on board with it uh so good so good this one for me had the best art it just it blew me away specifically the coloring it was so incredible they had red orange light blue yellow and green those were the majority of the colors they used and in like big, big splashes of those colors, not just small amounts, giant splashes, there would be backgrounds of black when the character is fully colored orange, just to make mm-hmm. it stand out. Then there'd be backgrounds of red when the character is a black silhouette to make them just stick out. This was just such a visually pleasing issue for me. And yeah, I, I agree. The story was incredible. It was so much fun. Seeing that blind guy um, pull his big glasses off for the first time and he's got cat eyes. I was like, so what is going on? Like, where's this yeah. story going to go? And then it just keeps it just keeps escalating. And it just got to such a cool point where this guy basically becomes like <laughs> a vampire who's going to be terrorizing the city for whoever knows how long until someone kills him. I'd love to read part two of this story. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was even another twist to the end was not only was he a bat, he's now a vampire. Like he he drained drained people of blood when he ended up attacking them. So I loved that it got to like vampire bat, like one that's going to suck your blood. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, very nice touch. Up next, The Living Death. It's a great name. It is, yeah. Lester Jerome and Arnold Manning have been close friends from medical school, but took different routes in their professional lives. Lester took the route of psychosomatic medicine, while Arnold took the path of surgery. They both loved Lori, 
but she chose to marry Lester, the psychosomatic doctor. She unfortunately falls ill with a tumor. Lester wants to use hypnotism to cure her, but the hospital board votes him down. So Dr. Arnold operates on her, but she dies. Dr. Arnold himself falls ill with a tumor. With mere months to live, he's forced to try Dr. Lester's hypnotism as a last resort. Dr. Lester tells Arnold he's going to put him in a trance and he won't come out of it until he hears the name Lori. Arnold is sent home and told to return two days later to be brought out of the subconscious trance. On the way home, he's hit by a car and killed. But somehow, his dead body moans. A month goes by, but his body doesn't decay. His tumor is gone as well. Dr. Lester hears of it and comes to Arnold's body. The body is begging for the pain to stop. Lester screams at him, You see? I could have saved Lori. I could have... But by saying the name Lori, Dr. Arnold is released from the trance and in seconds melts away what a month's worth of decay would do until the bed is covered with nothing but a seething, oozing mass of putrid and decayed flesh. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, so this one, I'm, you know, I'm not really too into it as it's happening because I'm like, okay, well, you know, they're trying really hard. Got to remember it's the 50s. But they're trying really hard to, you know, make this thing work so hard that the last page has so much, so many fucking words on it. There's so many words on the last page because they're just trying to explain what's happening and what they mean by it. And it's like I get to that last page. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to read all this to, like, explain what's happening. But then as soon as he says the word Lori and that guy decays, I'm on board. (laughs) I'm like, it's kind of all worth it because that was a really great payoff ending. It was really great to have him just like yell that name that knocked him out of whatever the hypnosis trance was that was keeping his body alive and then make him melt on the table. Yeah, worth it for that ending for me. Uh, I mean, you basically summed up my thoughts on it. I have just very elaborate story, lots going on. Not my favorite, but great payoff. (laughs) That's what what I thought of it. Totally. Uh, That's about it. Cool. Next up, Midnight Snack. Duncan Reynolds is at home reading horror stories. The clock chimes midnight. He gets hungry. He wants to get a snack, but he starts to feel dizzy, then finds himself outside on the street. He doesn't worry much about it because he wanted to be out there anyways. He goes into a restaurant But for some reason, the smell of hamburgers and bacon frying are making him nauseous, so he leaves. Out on the street, he again starts to feel dizzy. Then he finds himself outside a cemetery. Duncan is driven by fury and madly digs up a coffin from a recent grave. He pulls out an arm. He wants to bite it, but also doesn't want to when he starts to feel dizzy again and passes out. He awakens at the cemetery, a devoured corpse before him. He hears people coming, so he picks up what remains of the corpse. He won't let them take away his food. He gets tired and dizzy, 
Then he wakes up back at home. It was only a dream. He won't read horror stories before bed again. He goes over to the fridge for a snack, opens the fridge, and the corpse falls out. Duncan says, I'm a goo <laughs> Uh, this one didn't, uh, it didn't really stick with me because it's so small. I feel like it's a really small story. Like it's, it's just the one guy and he's just doing his own, his own thing. You know, he doesn't really interact with anyone. So it felt a little smaller. It was hard for me to remember when I was like trying to remember all the stories. It's hard for me to like really remember what this one was about. Um, but I do like it. I do like what happens in it because I like the, I like the, it's all a dream. Oh shit. No, it's not. I, I, I kind of liked that ending. Um, so I was I was into it. I was into, you know, him thinking that it was, you know, that that it was, oh, what a horrible thing. I had this, for some reason, I had this craving for flesh. What a weird thing. And then he ends up, it wasn't a dream. And he actually went out and did those things. Uh, cool. Yeah. I like this one. I, yeah. I liked what they gave us. I'm, I like that this all happened for no apparent reason. He was yeah, just true. reading a horror book. And then all of a sudden he has to eat human flesh with no explanation. Yeah. And then I love that he does it. He goes out and eats <laughs> human flesh. This is so fucked up. It was so awesome. He's a ghoul. What is going on? Yeah, that's the story. He's he's yeah. been a ghoul all along, I guess. Yeah. And I, I love that <laughs> like they just got they explained so much of the story or like got to the next part of the story just by writing in he felt dizzy. And confused. Yeah. And then that just automatically takes us to the next section of the story. And we don't question anything because, oh, he was dizzy. So so he was kind of like not in control. So some so now it's fine that we're just at this new location. We don't need any yeah. explanation. I think that works really well just to jump us from place to place. And then I also really liked the idea of him in the restaurant smelling cooking hamburgers and bacon. A smell. Yeah. That if you're, if you're like, if you eat meat, it's a smell you love. It just, it will yeah, make you, you so it, yeah. hungry. And it did the opposite for him. It made him nauseous because he yeah. just wants to eat rotten corpses. I loved it. <laughs> it made me consider so like, what do zombies, do zombies smell hamburgers and think that they smell bad? It made me kind of like go down this yeah. rabbit hole of like, yeah. what does food that we like smell like to a ghoul? Yeah. I, I'm with you. What I love about it is that there's no explanation at all as to why just one night he craved some flesh. <laughs> it could so happen funny. to anybody. It sucks. It could happen to anyone. Don't read horror books too late. You might crave flesh. You might start craving flesh. I don't even know if it was the horror book. It just happened. It just happened Who knows? to him. Yeah, he's just a ghoul. The clock struck midnight. Awesome. Maybe that was what it was. Yeah. Awesome. Who knows? All right, next up, scared to death. Ralph marries Cora for her uncle's inheritance. Ralph decides he wants it faster than just waiting for the uncle to die. So Ralph starts making lies about the uncle and continues to manipulate Cora for months until she agrees that her uncle should be killed. One night, they club the uncle on the head and he falls face down in a pond. They get the inheritance, but Cora's health starts to rapidly decline. She suffers a heart attack. The doctor says one more would kill her. 
Ralph decides he wants to give her that heart attack so he'll finally have the inheritance. It's a windy night. He pretends the noises are actually the uncle in their house coming for them. He tells Cora he hears footsteps coming for them. It must be the uncle coming for revenge. It's all too much for Cora to handle, and she doubles over dead. But then, the smell of grave mold fills the room, and standing there, in the room, is the rotting corpse of the uncle. It picks up Ralph and carries him to the pond, then into the pond, then all the way to the bottom of the pond. I like this one a lot. I like it for two reasons. Um, One of them is the panel layout. Uh, There's like flashbacks and then there's um, just like the stuff that's happening in the real time. And the flashbacks are all in these like bubbles. So it's really easy to like tell what's flashback. And then when you go back to real time, it's in just like the straight panels, the straight mm, like squares or rectangles or whatever. Yeah. So it's it's really cool. They're all like bubbled out when it's the when it's flashback cool. time. So I, I really liked that. I liked that layout. It was so clear, especially with some of these old comics, you know, it can be kind of tough to tell when we're in real time or flashback. Sure. Loved it. Loved that layout. So easy to tell. Um, and then the other reason I like it is because I love when like, when people are like sitting around the campfire and they're telling a spooky story and then it just actually happens. I just <laughs> love that stuff. Yeah. And that was this, you know, he's trying to scare her. He's trying to scare her to death so he can get her, her, her inheritance by telling her that her uncle's coming back from the dead. And he does. <laughs> he comes back from the dead and he kills him. I love it. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, this was the one I mentioned before where yeah, Cora wasn't on board with the murder right away, but through... yeah. Uh, months years of manipulation however long it was um she she got convinced but i thought they did a really good job of telling a really long and elaborate story in this one yeah like it takes place over many years with a variety of different things happening like this guy ralph it starts off he doesn't even know cora like they actually show him meeting cora at a party and then He's not even really interested in her, but he finds out that her uncle's rich, so he kind of courts her, and then they get married, and then he goes to work at the factory that has made the uncle so rich, but he starts at the bottom, and they just want him to learn about the factory, because if he's going to run it one day, which he is, then he should know every different level of the factory and how it all works, but he gets started at the bottom, And he's like, this isn't happening fast enough for me. So he starts turning Cora against the uncle, saying things like, he's embarrassing me in front of the workers. He's like, he's sabotaging me. He's not a nice guy. And then for months, maybe a year, maybe more than that, we don't know, he continues to manipulate Cora over and over and over again to the point where she breaks and decides that the uncle's such a terrible person that they should murder him. And then they do. And then she gets sick and then he decides to kill her. And then, yes, of course, the tremendously awesome ending where they really like spent a lot of time also digging into the fact that it's windy out. The like the shutters are smacking open and closed. So it sounds like footsteps coming. And he's like, oh, you know, that look out. That's I think your uncle's coming to scare us or to, to, to get revenge on us. 
and it scares the wife enough that she just dies, straight up dies. And then, of course, the uncle does show up to get revenge. It's everything It's everything that Ralph's been saying is going to happen, happens. And the uncle does get revenge. He's like, fuck you. Club me in the head, make me fall in a pond. I'm taking you there to die with me. Yeah, and they do it in a slow way. Like he takes him, he carries him into the water. They start sinking, they're sinking. You know, like a lot of these stories, the kind of kill happens in one panel. And this one, it happens over like five where he's yeah. just like dragging them down. Yeah, so even in a story that takes a long time, they cover so much stuff. You know, it's still the same actual length as all the other ones, but like they cover so much stuff. They still have time to, you know, take time with that kill at the end. And this is coming off of Midnight Snack that like, a guy just was hungry for a body, went out and got one and came back. That was the whole story. And this one just takes place over so it's much like time. It's like almost a lifetime. It's really cool. Yeah, the whole lifetime. It's so cool to have these smacked together just to kind of show you, you know, we got the whole range. You know, these stories could be anything. They could be just one thing that happens. One guy just had one craving or it could be this entire, you know, uh, long con that this guy's got over time to get this money and then ends up getting, you know, uh, destroyed by a zombie at the end. It's it's It was really good. There was zero fat in this issue. Yeah. Nothing. They, they had so much to pack in, but they also yeah. did it with it not feeling like too overwhelming. Like there wasn't too much. There was just enough. They did a perfect job of writing it uh, concisely. And I just thought they told a really, really great, like long story in the short six, sure. six pages they had. Yeah, agreed. All right. Up to the last issue, issue 25. And we are starting with the trophy. Clyde Franklin hunts for sport. A local reporter interviews him and is appalled. Clyde says he does it for sport. It's like playing football to him. Clyde decides to take a hunting trip to Alaska to hunt moose. He kills one. He takes its head and just discards the body. On his way back, he drives over a board with nails in it and crashes his car. He wakes up in a cabin with a broken leg. He's been captured by a man who says he hunts humans for sport. The man takes Clyde's head and creates a living, breathing human head trophy. Another one for his collection. What I notice about this last issue is that all the stories in it, I think all the stories, we'll see when we go through them, but all the stories I felt like could have been their own movies. Like the idea was so good that I thought it could have been a whole a whole movie. And I, I think that about this one, I, I really like the idea that like, um, you know, that the, the, the comic is laying out that like this hunting is, you know, it's so, it's so brutal that you would just go out and kill this animal. And then it takes it to, you know, the hunter of man. What if there was a hunter of man out there that also took your head and that was the trophy? I love it. I love this idea. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a great issue. I had a lot of fun with it. It's really weird you say that because I didn't think like along the way that all these stories could be movies. But when I got to yeah. this one, I thought this would make a great movie. I really yes, wanted awesome. to see it. This one has all yeah. the makings for a really fun, cool story. So yeah. that that's neat. Um, I feel like this was the public service announcement out of the book. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. You know, 
what goes around comes around and uh, you know don't yeah. don't kill animals for sport um i really just liked the idea of this human hunter hiding out in the wilderness and just throwing a board with nails on the street on it wasn't a street but like it's not like a mountain you know mountain road so anybody who runs over it's trapped and they get injured in the crash and he grabs them but then he's got like the correct technology in his cabin to cut your head off and put it on yeah. display and then there's like all sorts of tubes running to this device keeping the head alive which just seems like a really fascinating idea for the 50s to have, like be able to keep a head alive by just putting tubes in you know who knows what those yeah, tubes sure. do but there's just a bunch yeah. of tubes running really neat i really like this one yeah it's good up next I love this name. Judy, you're not yourself today. Love it. A strange old lady comes to Judy Abelson's door and tells Judy that she has a lovely young body and it's just what she's been looking for. And she's going to trade bodies with Judy. The old lady grabs Judy, chants some words, and the body transfer is complete. Judy... Now when the old lady's body calls her husband Donald home, she tells him what happened and shares details of their life that only Judy would know so that he'll believe her that it actually did happen. Donald tells her to lock herself in the closet and he'll go out after the imposter. He finds the imposter. He tells her that Judy has cancer and tricks her into switching back into her old body. And she does, and now she's locked in the closet. Donald rushes home, and he shoots the old lady in the closet dead. He buries her in the basement. Six months later, Judy hears the old lady speak the words again, and Judy is transferred into the corpse of the old lady. The corpse crawls up to the bedroom and tells Donald to shoot the body of Judy. He does, and both the corpse and the body of Judy fall down dead. I'm down with a lot of stuff in this one. Um, I really like Donald's move of telling the, uh, the, the old lady who is now in his wife's body uh, pretending that he knows he sees his wife there and saying like, oh, what, you're just running away from the cancer that you have? Sick move by Donald. That was awesome. I love that part. Yeah, he's pretending like she was the Judy that he's married to. He yes. was like, he went up to her like she was running away because she yeah. was sick. So he wasn't yeah. like, he wasn't saying, oh, don't stay in her body because it has cancer. He was like yeah. pretending that he thought it was her trying to escape this life of cancer. Yeah. So the old lady, yeah, the old lady's like, oh, shit, maybe this isn't the best body for me to be in. Exactly. This isn't the body for me. It was great. I loved that move. So good. And then he just decides after that, he's like, we've got to kill her. <laughs> it's like, I feel like after the body swap, it's like after you tricked her into thinking that your wife had cancer, you're probably safe. You could probably just let her go, but he he just had to kill her. He had to kill this woman. Hey, man, you're never safe with an old lady like that walking around. It's true. It's true. And she, you know what? She was she was just going to do it to someone else, yeah, so he just yeah. saved someone else out there. Yeah. I liked his foresight 
uh, into telling her to get into the closet and lock herself in the closet. Yeah. I thought, awesome. well, that's a strange thing to say to your wife just because she's an old lady now. But it was because he knew he's going to get to the other one, get the transfer yeah. back to happen, and then that old lady would be stuck in the closet. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Donald's really smart in this one. He's he really a lot of, smart. Uh, yeah, he's really smart. Yeah, uh, so I, I liked that. I liked that part of it. Um, I like the whole Freaky Friday aspect to it. The body swapping, it's always cool. Um, and then the ending's wild. Like <laughs> she just flips back into the corpse's body is absolutely that wild. And then so they both wild. end up. They both end up dead. It's just it's wild. Um, yeah, it's quite an ending. That is a wild, unhappy ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love like. <laughs> old ladies who have like magic curses and stuff like that. And they can just, yeah. if, if you don't do right by them or for whatever reason, they can just cast a spell on you and then yeah. all hell is going to break loose in your life. That's, it's terrifying. Um, this whole story is like the reason I won't answer my door. If someone knocks at it. Of course, like, of course, Tim, I'm not expecting anybody. So yeah. I'm not answering the door. Go away. No curses for me today. <laughs> Yeah, if it's really important, you would have called first. So if you didn't yeah. call me and tell me you're coming over, then you don't belong here. And nope. I don't care to transfer bodies with you. So go away. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes, Tim, though, my neighbor brings me vegetables, and I do like that. So I'll have to be strategic about knowing when, you know, he's going to be bringing me vegetables or if it's going to be a curse at my door. Well, if you don't answer your door, will he leave them on your doorstep? Um, oh, that's never happened before, but maybe he might do that. He might do that. I'll see. I'll have to test that out. You could probably stop answering your door. <laughs> I could probably stop. I can probably stop. Yeah. Good vegetables. He's got great vegetables. Ooh, well, fresh garden vegetables are the best. Fresh garden. Oh, so good. I'm a vegetable guy, in case anyone's yeah, wondering. Same. I love vegetables, even more same. so than corpses, which might be <laughs> oh, hard yeah, for yeah. you to believe, but I love yeah. I love me some vegetables. And garden vegetables, yeah. oh, man the best tim when i smell a corpse i'm like mm, no i'd rather have vegetables right now oh hell yeah hell yeah. yeah and i mean we love corpses don't get us wrong we love them we love digging we love up them. a good fresh corpse <laughs> all right next up loved to death margie slaps edward for annoying her with his advances margie wonders how many times will she have to slap his face before he gets it Edward learns of an alchemist who sells him a love potion for $1, but says that Edward will eventually be back for the antidote. Edward goes to Margie, slips her the potion, and she falls madly in love with him. They get married, but Margie is giving him way too much attention. It's starting to drive him mad. He goes back for the antidote. The man tells him it will cost a thousand dollars and it will kill her. Edward thinks that's fair. <laughs> he goes home and the next morning pours the antidote in her coffee. While he's in the washroom, Margie, knowing Edward likes his coffee hot, decides to give him her cup because it's hottest. Edward drinks from the cup and falls dead with a smile on his face. We see Edward in the afterlife. He's happy. He says, so I'm dead. Oh, well, at least I'm rid of her. 
Then he hears, Edward, darling, wait for me. Out of the mist runs Margie, who says, Oh, darling, when you died, I knew I wouldn't be able to go on without you, so I committed suicide. Now we'll be together for eternity. This one, I find, is just like, feels regular, feels like another story. You know, especially when they're teeing up the coffee and her switching them. I'm like, all right, he's going to drink the coffee and then he's going to die. And this was just another story. This, this dying, him dying, feeling free because at least he died. And then she commits suicide to join him and he's not free of her. It's amazing. She's with him in the afterlife. It's amazing. Great. Great, great, great. I love the extra push that they did on this one because... We've especially since we've been teed up with so many stories just to have the guy die at the end. And that's it. That was the worst thing. But no, dying was actually freeing for him because at least he was he free loved of dying. He thought that was the he best loved thing. Dying. He was so he's smiling. He has his arms out in the clouds. He's yeah. he's dead and he loves it. And then boom, she shows up and it is going to be the worst afterlife for him. Uh, I thought it was great. Great ending. It's so great. I love this yeah. one for a few different reasons. Like, right off the start, I love how disgusted she is with him. He's, yeah. like, coming on to her, and she slaps him. And then yeah. he's like, how many times am I going to have to do that again before he just gets it? Yeah. And then she falls so hard in love with him. Like, she, they do a good job of just showing, like, she is sitting on his lap, like looking in his eyes, telling him how much she loves him, how handsome, she, how handsome he is. Then she's sitting across the table, just telling him how much she loves him. And he's the best. And you do get the feeling like that would start to get really annoying. You know, just if you heard that day in, day out, over right. and over and over again, it wouldn't matter, you know, how beautiful this woman is. It would become so fucking annoying and that's what happens for him. He's just like, I don't want this anymore. This is because that's not realistic, right? That's not realistic that someone just like dotes over you like that. So it became super uncomfortable for him and he was losing it. And yeah, she was, she's just not a person anymore. You that's know? She's right. She's just like, she, she's not a person that she's like he a, fell she's in love with. She's a caricature with, you know? of, of, yeah. of person. Exactly. Exactly. And then the fact that her wanting him to have the hot coffee because she loves him so much is <laughs> so what got him killed. I love that. She's so yeah. caring. She's like, I just want him to have the hottest coffee because I know he he loves having the hottest coffee. And I love him so coffee. much that I want him to have the hot coffee. And it kills him because he's trying That's to great. kill her with it. I love that part. So oh, good. man. And then just to know he's trapped with her forever in that state yeah. is the best. This is so one good. of the tightest uh, ideas in in the book, I think. In these three in these three issues. Yeah, for sure. It's another one that I thought just could have been a whole movie. You know, it's just it just could have been the whole thing of trying to get the girl and then, you know, finding someone who can sell you love potion, buying the love potion, giving it to her and then having, you know, having it, you regret it down the line. And it's another one. Yeah, another one where I was like, I would watch this movie. I liked this. Yeah, lots of fun. Now, Dean, unfortunately, we are down to our last story. Ah, that's sad. It's okay, though. It happens. It's called The Works in Wax. 
It's the 19th century England. Henry and his wife, Mary, own the world's most renowned wax museum. It holds the most realistic wax figures of famous murderers found anywhere. After a successful day with many visitors to the museum, Mary tells Henry one of the wax figures spoke to her, asking her to turn his head away from the girl he was strangling. That's weird. Henry yells at her and puts it back the way it was. The next day, she tells him, One of them asked her to lower his arm. He was tired of holding the hatchet up above his head. Henry again yells at her, puts it back in place, and says if she changes one more figure, he's going to kill her. <laughs> I know it's harsh, Dean. It's kind of harsh. It's it's a it's a harsh progression of you've moved one of my wax figures <laughs> and now you've done it again. Now I'm going to kill you if you do it a third kill time. You. Three strikes you're out. That's a harsh. Three strikes you're dead, Tim. <laughs> Three strikes you're dead. I meant out like out of life. You're out out of right this world. The and, earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's uh, on par for this uh for tales from the crypt though, Dean. For sure, for sure. Later that night, he hears Mary laughing. He finds her with the figures. She's moved them all again. Henry strangles her to death. <laughs> Nobody bluffs in this book either. Nobody Just bluffs. Like, if you say one more word, I'm going to kill you. And then the person says a word and they get killed. It's just like... Dead. <laughs> In the 1950s, dude, like your word is your bond. Do, do not. Everybody's a man of their word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I'm a man of my word? We'll find out. I'm a man of my don't word. Don't question me about my word. <laughs> my word is solid. So <laughs> Henry strangles her to death for touching the figures again. But then he is attacked by all of the murderous wax figures. The next day, when the museum doesn't open, the police break in to find Mary lying on a flower-covered wax altar, and they find that Henry has been turned into a life-sized and burning candle. Uh, the only thing I got about this one is just what we've already talked about. He just fucking kills her? He just kills her <laughs> because she's a bad employee. Don't touch... He the figures, Dean. How hard is that to do? Her. Just don't touch them. He could fire her. It's his wife, though. He... <laughs> he doesn't have to kill her. He could just say, you can't work at the shop anymore. But don't I touch the figures have... at the same time. Having it be his wife, he definitely shouldn't just kill her. <laughs> he should fire her. Yeah. No, I know. He they shouldn't. must have he a good union. That. Yeah, he must have a good union backing um, that they can't fire any of the employees. Uh, so he's got to kill them. <laughs> this is wild. I was just like shocked that he just strangled her to death because she moved his wax figures. Wild stuff. I knew we had problems right off the bat when she touched <laughs> one of the figures and he yelled at her. Right. He was a very right, like yeah. angry man. Yeah. I knew there was going to be problems. I actually yeah. knew as soon as he yelled at her the first time, I knew he was going to get killed. I didn't know yeah. she was going to get killed, but I knew he was going to get killed because I think if there's one thing that the Tales from the Crypt doesn't like, it's men who yell at women. 
Yeah. While they're happy to murder anybody, I think if you yell at a woman in this book, you're going to get killed. You're dead. You're going to get. You're going to pay for it. So I I did like that about this story that uh, I kind of picked up early on. This guy's this guy's a goner. Let's just see how it happens. Yeah, I I do like that he is the uh, he's the wick. Yeah. On the candle. They just like put a bunch his, of wax yeah, around him and light him. Yeah. He's the wick. Very cool. I like that idea. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty, yeah, pretty cool idea. And half of it's burnt. It's like almost down to his waist. So like half of his yeah. body has been yeah. burnt. And I imagine, because I, I like to think that Tales from the Crypt would want us to think this, I like to think that he felt every moment of that candle burning his body down. Oh, hell yeah. And it's yeah. just, he was alive. It's just about to make it to his penis. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. going to be very sensitive for him. Very, yeah, yeah. Even though half his body's gone, he's still feeling. That. I think I like to think that he'll still feel it all the way yeah. to his toes. He'll still feel it. Yeah. Cool. I would have liked to have seen um, more from the wax murderers. I think I it would have been really yeah. cool if maybe some of like the people that were like at the museum just started to disappear. Um, yeah. maybe the figures start moving themselves around um by themselves and mary gets blamed for that i think yep. that would have also cool. been pretty cool like she's not doing yep. it they're doing it but then she gets killed for thinking that she did it i thought i thought this one um i just had some interesting ideas about how to make this one better yeah honestly tim that's a great idea i would have loved this story if that was the idea if they were just moving themselves around and he killed her anyways cuz he thought she was doing it that is a great idea. I love that because this one fell a little flat for me. Yeah. Um, just didn't didn't quite stick out. There's nothing that I just like really grabbed me in it and like was gave me that eerie feeling. Same. So I didn't love this one, but that would have done it. That would have been great. That would have been cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, that's it. That is all 12 cool. of the stories. Loved them. Lots of fun. Uh, yeah. Really quality, you know, entry into the Tales from the Crypt comic book series here first three we did were great and this it's just another it's a continuation yeah exactly it's it it's so uh it was so much fun that we decided to do it again and it's it's not like it's not like it dropped in quality at all like i read them all and i was like yes this is why we're doing it again i can't wait to do this again next year like they're so great i love these stories i love this type of delivery in a comic just anthology you know short stories scary stories i think it really works for me with like spooky stories i like spooky things that are really short because you can kind of deliver something that's creepy when it's short like that you don't have to set up too much it can just be this eerie coincidence i love it love the style um yeah had a great time with this just like i did with uh a year ago when we did the first one yeah both times it's just every single one has been fun there's some that land better than others most of them land great you know i think some of them just fall flat because of how good the other ones are, but all in all, super fun read. I just, I thoroughly enjoy going through these stories. So very much looking forward to the next time we do it. Um, recommend checking them out. These are really, these are really fun to read. And this is something that, you know, is worthwhile owning. Just, it's a nice collection. You know, it's from the fifties. Like just, it's, it's a nice pickup. It's nice to have in the yep. collection. I, I, I'm I'm glad we got into these, and I'm glad that we uh, we're we're doing this, and I'm glad to own you know a little bit of of this tales from the crypt stuff. 
yeah definitely if you like if you want to have like a spooky night and you know it's getting dark out and you light some candles maybe they're you know scented like the fall you put on some creepy music or some creepy sounds or something this will get you right in that mood like it is it is just perfect to open up and read when you're when you're wanting to get into that mood or just like ghost stories if you're at at you know yeah. a, whatever you just want to read to your kid or something or True. you have like a spooky yeah. dinner party and you want to tell a freaky story this is these are just full of them they're full of really cool really like freaky ideas and uh, it's a lot of fun yep listeners if you'd like to support us here at talking back start by telling your friends about us also you can head over to itunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a review if you head over to buymeacoffee.com slash talking back you can leave a one-time donation of any amount or you can sign up at patreon.com slash talking back podcast at one of our membership tiers and unlock exclusive talking back episodes for only a couple dollars a month. And now that this episode is over, don't worry, crawl out of your grave and head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like. Dean. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer, Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic to David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all. The good, the bad, and the bloody. Return, Revenge, Resurrection. A podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone!